Well, that's present income, right? Hmm? Present income, right? Yeah, present income, future which future. is con uh, future future. present income. Okay. Yeah, thank you. But that's not the only way to form partnerships in this square model, the horizontal pairs, because there are also vertical pairs there. So let's just uh, take a look what the vertical pairs would represent. If you have the annuitant and annuitant with a D form a partnership, that's that's going to give you present wealth. Let's see why. Is is that is that right? No. Uh, no. No, that's not right. What what do you get out of this partnership of the annuitant and the annuitant? Exchange of income. Wealth into wealth. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So it solves their problem. In other words, you think of the of the annuitant as a junior man starting out in life and the annuitant already in his harvest years, okay? So, uh, all right. Now, let's, perhaps this will be clear after looking at the other pair, entrepreneur and inventor. One is has a demand for wealth, the other uh, is... Demand for income. Demand for income. Demand for income. Yes. Okay. So in what way do they complement one another? Suppose they form a partnership. So this could be an exchange. Hmm? Exchange of income and wealth again? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Peter, you are going to say more about this. Uh, tomorrow morning, Peter will give you an overview of, of this. Okay. So, you see, various partnerships can be formed and various exchanges made and this is at my at this point what i want to emphasize is the superiority of this model to the very simple simplistic diagonal model this penetrates far deeper in uh, in solving the problem than the diagonal. You see, we see um, uh, the four 
very basic uh, corners where this exchange of income and wealth takes place. So, <clears throat> uh, somehow, uh, this which I uh, want to see, that certain partnerships give you present wealth and another partnership gives you future wealth, not present wealth and not future wealth. Uh, okay, in a way you might say that this, if there is a partnership vertical, the annuitant annuitant is uh, bargaining with this other partnership, the entrepreneur and inventor. And one partnership represents net present wealth, and the other is representing net future wealth. And now you consider these two bargaining units trying to come to an agreement. On what terms will they make the exchange between the present wealth and the future wealth? And you will find that really you need somebody who can make this exchange smoother and bargaining smoother. And this need finds its fulfillment in the appearance of the who? Capitalist. Capitalist. The capitalist is a specialist who specializes in ex uh, making exchange between present wealth and future wealth. Now this is, uh, uh, this is very important because in the traditional presentation of the story, the capitalist is brought in too early. You see, the Shylock, the Scrooge, is appearing very early in the story. But if you follow my approach, as it evolved from the simple diagonal through the square to the pentagonal, then this is very natural. That there is need for a specialist to make this bargaining smoother. And not only that, but also 
there is such a person as a marginal inventor and a marginal entrepreneur. What we have in mind is that we we have a list of the names of all entrepreneurs, but we rank them according to efficiency or um, uh, success. You know, there are very successful entrepreneurs who will survive on the North Pole as well, as, as in the Sahara. But then there are less uh, productive entrepreneurs, less gifted entrepreneurs, and so on. There is a spectrum, and they are ranked, okay? There's no shame attached to be, not to be at the top, but it's just a fact of life that if you have a group of people and from a, a, some point of view, uh, the, the group can be ranked. Anyhow, the point is there's a marginal entrepreneur. And the marginal entrepreneur may or may not find a partner to go ahead and form a partnership in a, in a in a productive business. And the same is for the inventors. There are lots of inventors, some of them extremely uh, efficient and then less and less and less. And somewhere in between there is a marginal inventor. And this person is not fixed. It depends on the circumstances. There are circumstances which could improve the efficiency of this marginal inventor which will move him up the scale so a fellow to his uh, other side will become the new marginal inventor. You see? So what kind of circumstances could there be to, uh, to make sure that more inventors become successful and fewer of them will be sub-marginal? Let's call these sub-marginal inventors who don't find a partner to uh, make that possible, to produce future wealth. You see, we talked about this horizontal partnership. If the annuitant with a D finds a suitable inventor, they make a partnership and they produce future wealth, okay, the combination. However, there are some of the inventors will be out of luck because they are not top talents, they don't represent top talent or top efficiency or in some ways, but they are still useful people. They are, they, uh, but unfortunately, the 
under the given conditions, they don't succeed to make a partnership, and, and uh, as a result, <coughs> this inventor will be a sub-marginal inventor, which means that he's swept to the wayside. He, he cannot compete successfully, so he, his contribution uh, to the development of society comes to nothing. And, and uh, there are many examples of that. In a way, Leonardo da Vinci was a submarginal inventor if we consider the invention of the airplane. You are probably all aware that he had lots and lots of inventions. Some of them were immediately picked up and put into effect, de developed and put into effect. But not all. And an example of a very important invention, as it turned out later, was the airplane. I mean, he has very detailed designs which survived, which show that the uh, airplane how it can be built and uh, the various mechanisms to, uh, to uh, direct it right and left, up and down, and so on. So, in a way, he was a submarginal inventor. The same way you could discuss the entrepreneurs, and you will see that some of them could be very, very gifted and, and uh, successful, but for some reason or other couldn't find the proper partner, the annuitant, with whom he could form a partnership which produces present wealth, you see? And uh, th this is a social loss. It is, of course, a personal loss of the entrepreneur who is who is swept to the submarginal class, and the inventor, who is through no fault of his own, is swept to the submarginal group. But it's also a loss of society. I mean, what would, just ask the question, what would have happened if Leonardo da Vinci uh, could find somebody, an annuitant, who, who would make this partnership possible. Then we would have had airplanes for the past 400 years. It would be a different world today, wouldn't it? Well, anyhow, it's futile to speculate on that. But I think we all agree that it's a social loss that they couldn't make find their uh, partner. Now this is the social significance of the appearance of the capitalist. You see? The capitalist would have made a lot of submarginal entrepreneurs into successful entrepreneurs. And a lot of 
submarginal inventors a successful inventor simply by uh, um, widening the scope, the scope of exchange of present wealth to future wealth. The bargaining between these two would be helped with the go-between man, the capitalist. And that would have helped the submarginal inventor as well, the submarginal entrepreneur to move up on the scale, but it would have had society also, because it is possible, and I'm just speculating, that the uh, given the capitalist at that time of Leonardo da Vinci, which you know it was made very difficult, the obstacles there, the usury laws, and so on and so forth. The capitalist wasn't there, but if he had been there, and Leonardo da Vinci would not have remained a sub-marginal inventor of the airplane, then there would have been airplanes in the 16th century, you see? So the, the, I, I really want you to understand this, and perhaps during the question period, we can, uh, you can ask uh, questions and we could further clarify this. So this gives you the pentagonal model of the capital market, which makes all these improvements possible, especially the uh, improvement in the position of the sub-marginal inventor and the sub-marginal uh, entrepreneur. And I'm sure Peter will have something to add to this, and during the question period, Now, a couple of things before we break up. One question which comes up, oh yes, there's another term which is important, and I would like to uh, put it on there. This is, uh, uh, we are going to talk about entrepreneurial capital, so two kinds of capital. One is entrepreneurial capital, and then underline it and underneath, no, okay, <laughs> uh, so on, uh, now, yeah. Underline, and then the other is what I call R and D capital. What does R and D stand for? And abbreviated R and D. 
It's too long. Okay, now go back to the previous chair. When, I'm asking everybody now, when does entrepreneurial capital come into existence? Which partnership, we have talked several partnerships possible in the, in the square model. With the inventor. So which particular partnership agreement will create entrepreneurial capital? In isolation, no entrepreneurial capital. Once the partnership is made or formed, then all of a sudden becomes capital, usable capital, entrepreneurial capital. What partnership of the several, which we can talk about here, sure. would uh, yeah. do that? That's right, the top horizontal yeah. pair, okay? Now, I can't ask uh, uh, Sandy to write <laughs> all this down, but please uh, make a mark that this particular partnership, you can even give numbers, number one, number two, and so on, is the formation of the entrepreneurial capital. Now, the same way I'm asking the question, what about R&D capital? How? A new hand inventor? Yeah, the lower horizontal pair. See, as soon as they agree, these two, bingo, there is a new R&D capital. You see, the interesting thing is that all the ingredients are there, but if there's no agreement, which is basically an exchange, then this capital just doesn't exist. Although the ingredients are there, but the exchange is not. And therefore, the, we, as far as dynamics is concerned, as if we didn't have all those ingredients. But once the agreement is made, as if, as if out of nothing, but we know it's not out of nothing because there are all those ingredients present. All of a sudden you have capital, two kinds of capital, okay? This is, this is I find it very interesting that you have to go through this analysis uh, to understand how capital comes into existence. There are ingredients, but in, in themselves, isolated, they don't mean anything. And once the exchange is made, then they come into existence. Now, I have this bit here on the causes of chronic unemployment. 
The presence of, uh, I'm reading this now because the time is short, presence of chronic unemployment in the economy indicates that entrepreneurs and inventors are being hampered by social and institutional arrangements in their efforts to form R&D capital. From the perspective of a government-run compulsory social security scheme appears highly retrogressive. So take the social security system in the United States and of course in other countries uh, are similar, they have similar schemes. The idea is that every person after a certain age is going to get a guaranteed income. It's not perhaps very high, but it would be a minimum substance so that the person can survive. Now, what I'm suggesting here, this is retroactive because the the negative side of this is that the uh, R&D capital formation is being hampered. Okay. Well, um, unfortunately, I'm running out of time here, but I think this is pretty straightforward. So uh, we can return to it after in, in, in the break in the question period, and uh, then you can also read it here. This is one thing. And another thing is, which I'm going to say perhaps a little, but not too much about, is the triangle, because after all you could ask the question, what about the triangle? I mean, two is the diagonal. Four is the square, and then the pentagon, and the hexagon. But what about the triangle? Well, there is a triangle too. And this is the triangle of the entrepreneur, the inventor, and the capitalist. And this is a kind of holy trinity, according to Mises, and I fully agree with him. Uh, because if they form a partnership, that's really the... Dynamo, the uh, source of dynamics in the whole thing, which drives the whole system. And um, so what Ludwig von Mises says is that the triangular partnership of the entrepreneur, inventor, and capitalist is the most potent and dynamic force in the economy which society has heretofore produced. Ludwig von Mises considers the individuals in the partnership the most progressive elements in a capitalistic society who provides benefits to the non-progressive majority in every possible way. The particular combination of talent brain and willpower represented 
by the threesome, the triangle, heralds a new epoch of progress far beyond the capabilities of individual talents if employed in isolation. So these are three talented people. If they are isolated, they are still productive and they still contribute to the benefit of the whole society. But if they can form a partnership, triangular partnership, then the efficiency multiplies by a high factor, multiplied by a high factor. So this is the insight of Mises, and it's well, well worth your time to think about it. Because this is what explains this tremendous progress. And of course, Mises is not uh, ashamed to say, which would sound very undemocratic in our age, that the majority of people of society is a non-progressive crowd. They are consuming. If you give them new gadgets, they grab it and run with it. But they wouldn't think a moment how it came about. Why is it that our standard of living is so much higher than our parents or, or our grandparents or great grandparents' standard of living was? They never think about that. They just, they just consume and consume and consume. So Mises is not shy to say that. But that's very, very undemocratic. <laughs> but somebody has to say it, and sometimes we just have to say it. All right, I think uh, we can take a 15 break. minute coffee break. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs>